In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. From Advent Sunday until Trinity Sunday last week, we focused on some particular aspect of God's revelation in Christ. Our spiritual mood, expectation, penitence, joy, celebration, was governed by the theme of each feast or season. Now we enter into the long Trinity season, during which we are called to integrate the revelation we have received into our patterns of daily life. And this presents challenges. It is easier to follow Christ when we are purposely feasting or fasting. When the church calendar sanctifies time with specific meaning and directs us to certain kinds or specific kinds of behaviors and attitudes. During Trinity, filled as it is with many ordinary green days, it is easier to fall back into unsanctified time and the behavioral patterns of the world. In our culture, Christian faith is frequently evaluated in terms of emotions. When we feel God's presence, life is thought to be good and faith is thought to be strong. When we don't have these feelings, we question our faith. By this standard, life and faith will be very good on Easter Day, but maybe not quite as good on the Wednesday after the 10th Sunday in Trinity. However, in the long run, good feelings depend upon rightly ordered actions. If we do not habitually hear the voice of God and do what God calls us to do in a habitual way, eventually we will not feel good, no matter how many periodic experiences we may have. Consequently, if we want to make real progress in the faith, we must focus on what we do, not how we feel. Healthy emotions and good feelings are the consequences, not the cause of faithfulness. We talk in our church about living by a rule of life. A rule of life is not a list of rules or legalisms, things you have to do to get God to like you. A rule is a defined pattern for the practice of the faith. It is to the Christian life what a rehearsal routine is to the actor or musician or what the training routine is to the athlete. If we want something to grow in the yard in a particular way over the next six months, we must plant it and water it and guard it and fertilize it and prune it. If we desire to make real progress in the faith over that same period of time, we must order our lives during this time in such a way as we will cultivate growth. 
A rule of life is more than merely a personal program for personal spiritual growth. A rule is the way we order our lives in accordance with the reality of the kingdom of God. From Advent through Trinity, the kingdom of God was revealed to us, various truths about the Son of God and the Spirit. We commit ourselves to habits of worship, prayer, stewardship, and service. We live as those who have received the revelation and have changed our lives accordingly. We live as those who believe that Jesus is Lord and are waiting for him to come. The gospel for the first Sunday after Trinity tells us a story of a rich man who did not order his life according to the revelation he had received. The man was a practicing Jew. There's nothing in the parable to give us any sense that he did not attend synagogue services regularly and go to the temple for the required feasts. He called Abraham father, and it is evident that he was quite surprised by the post-mortem reversal of fortune. When the rich man asked Lazarus, or asked Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his brothers, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. At some point in time during his attendance at synagogue over the years, the rich man heard the following words from Deuteronomy or similar words from elsewhere in the Torah. Quote, the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore, I command you saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and your poor in the land. Yet, with Lazarus laid at his gate, the rich man did not follow these words. And the rich man's fault was not simply a one-time sin of omission. He fared sumptuously every day, and every day Lazarus was laid at his gate. His life was characterized by neglect of God's will and word. One might say that the rich man ended up in Hades, the King James calls it hell, but the Greek word is Hades, which is the intermediate state of the departed who are not in the better place. He was sent to Hades, one might say, as a consequence of his sin. But it would be more accurate to say that his appearance in Hades was merely a revelation of his actual state of being. He did not live in union with God. He did not take the word of God to heart and change his life accordingly. He did not know God, nor did he love God, nor did he love his neighbor as himself. He lived apart from God, and as a result, when he died, he was apart from God. Thus, the parable does not warn us of future punishment so much 
as it exhorts us to be faithful now. We have Moses and the prophets, and we have one who rose from the dead. Let us hear them. The revelation we have received from Advent to Trinity tells us that the Son of God left his gated community of heaven to become man. He walked on earth as a servant to minister to those in need. He died and rose so that we might be forgiven and receive the gift of eternal life. And he gave us the gift of the Spirit so that we might minister to other people in his name. It is our vocation, both as a church and as each one of us, as a member of the body of Christ, to be the incarnate presence of the risen Christ in the world. It is our vocation to imitate Christ by going outside the gate of our comfortable existence to minister to the needs that God puts before us. To fulfill this vocation, we must purposely follow Christ and not the world. The world calls us to pursue pleasure, accumulate goods, and create a safe and comfortable place for ourselves. Moses, the prophets, and the risen Christ call us to pursue holiness, to freely give of what God has given to us, and to be willing to become uncomfortable in order to serve each other. Our church's general rule of life tells us to gather together with the body on the Lord's Day to celebrate Eucharist, to pray the daily offices and develop a daily conversation with God, to tithe, to discern our spiritual gifts and put them to use in service. A commitment to these disciplines is not merely a commitment to perform outward religious acts. A commitment to these disciplines is a commitment to live in Christ, in the community of his church. It is a commitment to take seriously the requirements of communion each week. It is a commitment to examine our lives and confess our sins each week. It is a commitment to forgive and be reconciled to each other each week. It is a commitment to receive Christ to be cleansed of sin each week and to go forth and actually do the good works that God has prepared for each of us to walk in each week. A commitment to the daily offices and the, the daily conversation of prayer is not merely a commitment to read prayers. It is a commitment to offer ourselves to God each day in worship to give thanks each day for life and salvation, to listen for the voice of God each day in our reading of Holy Scripture, to talk with God in the midst of our daily work, to be watchful each day for Lazarus, whom God has laid at our gate, and to minister to him 
despite the inconvenience and the cost. A commitment to tithe is more than merely a commitment to give money to church. It is a commitment to reverse the pattern of the fall and renounce our idolatry of money. It is a commitment to habitually take what God gives to us and by the token return of the first part, acknowledge that it all belongs to him. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our rule should also include some habitual practice of fasting. The completely penitential season of Lent and the completely celebratory season that runs sort of from Easter to Trinity have both passed. Now it is time to balance the two. A good rule is this. Take everything you really enjoy and fast from it at least one day a week. Skip at least one meal a week and instead pray. Fasting is a powerful but neglected spiritual discipline that helps us to fight the good fight and keeps us from getting weighed down by captivity to our comforts. The long green season of Trinity presents opportunity and danger. Danger if we allow the various impulses and urgencies of the world to govern how we live over the course of time and draw us away from God. Opportunity if we, by committing to spiritual disciplines, embrace the revelation we have received and live each day in Christ. If we plant, fertilize, weed, water, watch, and prune, we will grow. If we practice the faith in a disciplined way, we will become more proficient at it. The parable teaches us that as we are in life, so shall we be in death. If we live in Christ, we will die and rise in Christ. We have Moses and the prophets. We have the whole revelation from Advent to Trinity. We have the one who rose from the dead. Let us hear them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.